Our Heavenly Father God, we thank you this morning for yet another opportunity to search your heart, which is in your word, to remind us that you are still coming, that even as you say that you will come yet again in majesty, Father Lord, may we be in anticipation, may we be expectant. May we know that you can come anytime. And may we be at right standing with you when you come. May none of us be found wanting in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. I want to first of all congratulate everybody that made it into this December. It may sound as if it is nothing. I went for a trip last week, I drove down to Kano, and what I saw on the road made me appreciate life. We wake up in the morning, we go to this place, we come back, we believe it's our rights. In all sincerity, as a, as a child of God, yes, but we need to be appreciating God for that. So I want us, your neighbor, tell him welcome to the month of December. You will see the end of this month and this month will not see your end. In Jesus' name. Today, we are taking on the topic, Advent Hope. And when I was... Um, Searching the scriptures, I see that one way or the other, it is still related to the theme of this chapel this year, which is Kingdom Lifestyle. Why? Because anybody that is living in anticipation of coming of Christ, your lifestyle will be that of kingdom. Because of what your hope, your mind, your focus will be, on how to make the kingdom. So you have to start living a lifestyle that's in consonance with somebody that is going to the kingdom. And as an ambassador, you start living it here and not just when you get over to the other side. Advent in the church, Orthodox churches, is a period set apart to remind us about the coming of Christ. Actually, in this case, we are talking about the second coming because Christ has come, he has gone, but he said what? That he is coming back again. The first time he came for our salvation, which he has gotten for us with his precious blood. The next time he is coming, he is not coming for that again. He is coming for judgment. So it's a period that remind us that the greatest thing God has done for us mankind, when we were hopeless, that he sent his precious son Jesus Christ to die for our sin and for our salvation. And if we can remember rightly, God chose a tribe that his salvation was meant for. I would say the was was because we the Gentiles now, we are partakers of this promise. By the grace of God through Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. 
But most times our attention goes more. Advent and Christmas and the celebrations that go with it. But when you look inwardly, that is not the main essence. It's just like a reminder that Christ will come again. And he is coming very soon. The scripture says that nobody knows the time except the Father. Why he is delaying, I don't know. But he knows why. Somebody said maybe if he comes today, that the people that will go with him, that there will be very few. That's why he is giving us a time of grace. So we should live in preparation, not just this season, but at each point in time, we should live having it, having this focus that Christ can come anytime. A lot of things have been said about Christ coming in Revelation, but I was really pleased with these five verses in Gospel of Jesus Christ as St. Luke recorded it, chapter 12, verse 35 to 40. So I'm going to more or dwell on these five verses and not go into eschatologies and a lot of other things. People like us, we cling to those few scriptures that I know. I know you very well and live by it. I tell somebody, sometimes you don't really know, you don't need to quote all the verses in the Bible, but those ones you know, know it very well and hold on to it. Anything you are doing, you are adding to those ones. There was a period in the church when Jesus Christ left. The church was on fire. People were ready to die for their faith. There was a war that was common with the early church, parousia. That's Christ coming or Christ appearing. They took it literally because he said, I'm coming soon, my judgment is with me. So they were really on fire, expecting it that it's going to be very soon because they read some part of the scripture when the Bible says that some of you will not see death. So the church was on fire, ready to lay down their lives for the cause of Christ. But that is not the case with us now. I don't know why. Is it because the time of Jesus' ascension and the Pentecost, is it because the duration has extended? Is it because we've heard the gospel that we are now insensitive to the gospel? Is it because we are incumbent with so many things in life? Or is it because we lack hope? That made me to really go and search the word hope. What is really the meaning of this hope? I, as a child, we used to have this small boy that stayed with us. My grandfather is always upset with him. He always called the boy, hopeless boy. As a small child, I didn't know that that was a very bad cause. Then what is hope? Hope is an anticipation for something desired. 
And when you talk about hope, there is always a positive connotation about hope. You don't hope for something bad. So, hope can be the belief and probability of something desirable happening or you having that desirable thing. It is also an optimistic attitude of the mind based on expectation or desire. That led me to ask myself as a child of God, am I really daily, constantly, on this expectation? Am I living daily, being conscious that Christ will come? And the truth is that if we live on a daily basis, knowing that anything can happen anytime, I tell you, our lifestyle will change. Sometimes this whole thing, we talk it back, we pray, I'll be 100 years, I'll be this thing, I'll be 80, I'll be 90. That tends to take away that consciousness from us. We project over the years. Not knowing that anything can happen at any time. I lost some friends this year, young people. I really have to go back and start thinking again. Healthy people. One in the sleep, no sign, nothing. One was just my chest, my chest, gone. Young people, within their 40s, then I really ask myself questions. And these people, they are not pagans. Maybe you say their lifestyle or something. And I ask myself, one of them, if this can happen to this person, then... It can happen to anybody. And we know when you have hope, when you are expectant about something, it creates that negative, uh, positive mindset that makes you to strive through something. And even when you are having challenges, you don't give in to those challenges, but you have to move on because of what you know the end. So you don't really look at the process. What happened in between? If somebody tells you that you're a child of God, that everything will be free-flowing for you, I don't know. That's a lie as far as I'm concerned because I know that being a child of God, the Christian work is a work of faith, work of endurance. You have challenges. And even the enemy is not ignorant of the direction you are going. So the enemy will be putting some obstacle for you. So that that journey, that destination, you don't get it there. You don't get to that destination. So I want us to go back to the scripture that we read today. Luke 12, 35 to 40. And I want us to go through those five verses because it's so easy for someone to derail and start talking about eschatology in general, missing the salient point in this parable of Jesus Christ. And what is this telling us? The basic message there is to be ready or get ready if you are not. 
Let me read it for King James Version that I have here. Let your loins be guarded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourself like unto men that wait for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall guide himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, and this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. So this is still a warning and admonition. And if you look at it, this is mainly for Christians. Because they are already in the path. They are already they know Christ. That's why he is telling them, be ready, be watchful. He's not talking to people that are pagans, people that are ignorant of the gospel. Just as I believe that most of us here, we are Christians. If we don't know about Christ, most of us won't be here. We are here because we know Christ. We come here to meet with our Lord. We come here because of the faith we have in Jesus Christ. We come here because of the promise. We come here because we have a destination all of us are going to. We come here because of a promise. When you look at the first verse, there is this, be ready, be ready, guide yourself. Send dress up, family dress, being ready. Being ready. Being ready. He's not just saying that you'll be ready alone. But your light will be burning. So that you'll be, have illumination, you can see. So that whatever you are doing, you are not groping in the dark. As Christians, we need to be ready at each point in time. I have somebody I was talking to the other day. He asked me whether alcohol is a sin. He set a trap for me. I told him no. But a Christian should not drink alcohol. He asked me why. I tell him, if you are a captain, you are a soldier, even at your job, even the one we are doing at UNTH, you should not drink alcohol when walking. And as a soldier of Christ, you should be sober at each point in time. You should be ready because you don't know when the enemy will strike. He told me that he has never seen it like that. Everybody tell him that alcohol is. I say yes, it leads to sin. Because of what? Sin is so subtle. You don't even know when it's like falling asleep. You don't even know when you move from being awake to the other one. So things that you know you don't have control over. So leave that issue of moderate or not moderate or more theory. I don't believe in that. 
I was drinking. So, I can write a lot of books on that. Then, there is a day you drink seven bottles and you are clear. There is a day you drink one bottle. You ask yourself, what's going on? So something you cannot just tell this is this. This is why do you want to try God? Because what does it do? It frees your inhibition. It reduces that your consciousness. It reduces, it removes that your readiness and alertness. That's why a lot of people, when they do certain things under the influence, the next day they come and they will be like, am I the person that do this? That's why the Bible says it's a mocker. But that's not our message for today. I'm sorry, I don't run away from controversies. So the next verse is saying, yeah, when you are awake, you have to be aware. When you are awake and you are not conscious, then your being awake is just nothing. It's just like on your bottle and your name, the man worry here now for. As a house officer, I used to know then in Kaduna, during the time of sugarcane, we always have a lot of accidents, bike accidents. Because you see somebody that is awake eating sugarcane, he won't know where he veer off the road and keke will hit him. And when you get to the hospital, what you'll be hearing, Likita Atemaka, Likita Atemaka, that is doctor, help, help. When you take the history, it doesn't make sense. They are awake, but they are not aware. So there are two components of being awake and aware. Being conscious, being sensitive. Because when you are in line, before anything happens to you or before you even veer home, you have some urging. This place I'm going, that something is not very right. This thing that I'm doing, there is something that is not wonderful about it. We have it even to the extent that when you are really connected, before you lost a small thing like phone, you must have had it. Even a journey that will not turn up very wonderfully well, you will know. But just that sometimes we don't discern what is happening, that you are feeling somehow that it is there. If the connection is there, you must get it. In verse 36, it says, waiting for our Lord. Is Christ your Lord? Is he your master? Some Bible translation use the word Lord. Some use the word master. And we know that if you are a child of God, Christ should be your Lord and personal Savior. He should be your master. The life you live is not for you but for him. Whatever you are going to be doing is just to please him. And not to please yourself. As in this case, Christ our master has left. He is come. The parable put it that he is gone for a wedding. And he will return. When he comes. Will you be awake? Will you be conscious to go and open the door for him? Will he find you wanting? Have you been taken over by the challenges of this time? There was one week I prayed my morning prayer two times consecutively on the steering. I know something is wrong. When you have to rush out, 
when you have to say God na chukugawata. When you have to have reason not to do what you are going to supposed to do. When your sin of omission is on the increase. That's what we are talking about here. You are you you, you, you are awake, but you are not really aware again. Your consciousness level is now being obstructed. And I notice that the enemy pushes us into being busy at each point in time. There is one thing taking your attention or not. Even if there is, in short, either you are pursuing something or something is pursuing you. You can't just stay there. And most of the time I tell people, it's better you are pursuing something. Because when you are pursuing something, you are facing it. But when something is pursuing you, it has your back. And what betray you, when something has your back, you are not saying it. You don't know where the target is going to come from. In football, they tell you attack is the best form of defense. What are we talking here? It's all about being disciplined. Those things of God that you cannot compromise. Whatever it's going to take, tell them this is this. Your time, your everything. And you know over a time. It will make way. The Bible says you resist the devil. It will flee from you. And when we are watching. Verse 37. Means that we are occupying. Christ said. Occupy till I come. Are you just there? Are you just, are you just there? And uh, you are not really occupying. When you occupy. You have a territory. Occupying is an active word. It's, it's, it's a verse. And we know in our primary English that a verse is a doing word. You don't just remain there. Where you occupy, you occupy for Christ. You attack. You move on. You assault. Because if you are not, you will be assaulted. We keep on fulfilling the great commission of God. Living a Christian life is not just good enough. No. That's, you are doing your own. I'm a child of God. I'm not involved in this. You have to tell the good news. You have to evangelize. You have to depopulate people going to hell. You have to evangelize. When I was here, I was told that evangelism and I find it's true is the only thing you cannot do in heaven. Because everybody in heaven is already evangelized. If you don't tell anybody about Christ, then there is something wrong somewhere. If somebody does not see your lifestyle and know that Christ is good, then there is a question mark there. Then your life is not portraying Christ in any way. If you are the kind of person that you come in a car, you say, praise the Lord, pray, pray, nursing, you are insulting, conductor, fighting. One of the days I entered the car, one woman was, I conducted people were begging her. After that, she said, praise the Lord. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. It does not tarry. Praise the Lord. The two of them, they don't go together. They don't. So you say the word, you leave it. That's what occupying means. Not just staying. 
Living is good enough, but you must. You must communicate to somebody. You must tell somebody something. You must tell somebody that the Lord is good. You must tell somebody that Christ is coming again. Even the book of uh, other religions, some of them acknowledge that Christ will come again, although they are on Christ. But they acknowledge that he did not die, that he will come again. And here the Bible says that when they opened the door, he, the master, served them. And we know in the Jewish tradition, master does not serve his slave. The most that can happen is you eat on the same table with him. So this is a higher level of reward system. And then that took me to John 14, 2 to 3. When Jesus Christ said that in my father's house there are many houses, there are many mansions, that he himself will go there, prepare the house, dress the bed, put cotton, choose color of paint and everything, and come back for you and say that where he is, there you will be. And to me, that's the highest level of service. We know what accommodation is here. I told somebody close to me, "Na man need to go to the free accommodation nature, not something called. If you are some of us that are paying for rent, and you know when the time to pay for rent start getting this thing, somebody like me, I don't check my BP then, because it falls into a very bad period. It's in September. People that have children in school know what September means. It's a month blessed by God, but it's a month I don't like. Our car paper expires September. I pay school fees of four children, and I pay my house rent. So September, if I change my BP, it's not always wonderful. But God has always proved himself worthy. If you want to get an accommodation in heaven, how much can you pay? Can you afford it? How? It's basically from what I heard the Bible told me. These are not mere accommodations where you have life constantly, where the presence of God is, where there is just joy and happiness. Some young Christians, when they hear this thing, I remember one time I didn't have job after you service. I was praying for rapture because I was hearing what God was saying. Seven months. He got to a point, if we want to leave the house, I said, you know, mothers can be very funny. Somebody that has finished house job, finished your service, was giving out money at a time. Ah, it wasn't funny. So it's not really a very wonderful experience. So if you are yearning for this, yearning for that 
being with Christ for a place he has prepared, where he has really made out his time to perfection. If we check the Bible all through, whenever God gives instructions, he gives to know, he gives him specifications. When he told Moses, build a tent for me, he gave specifications. Even Solomon, he gave specifications. And then let's know the specification of Christ. When he calls you his own, it will be dumped down to perfection. So that is what this time is trying to tell us about. That we will not look at this time, that we will live so that nothing, nothing can make us miss this promise. That we should not allow things happening around us. You know, there are so many things. There are too many. I read a scripture that um, a writer that said that you don't look at your challenges, but look at God who created everything and is mightier than everything you are passing through. And honestly, when you have that and you internalize it, you have peace. There is no two ways about that. You have peace. When I say peace, I mean complete peace. And Christ will come. First watch, second watch. You know, when you have a message to share with people, it's an opportunity for you to search whatever it is. Things that seem ambiguous to really know the meaning. So I was like, what is first watch? What is second watch? The Bible did not say first watch. It says second or third watch. So I noticed that there is this timing by the Hebrews in the night. They have three. They have three times watch in the night. About 9 to 11.30, 11.30 to around 2 and 2 to around 4. They have three watches. Because I look at Gideon when he was told to carry his men at the third watch around midnight. So when you have middle, that means there's one ahead and there's one behind. So that means that is the time Mbola Jatoto, you know, around 12 and early morning. That is when the master came back. When everybody has forgotten everything, you are, your senses are down, you just want to rest. That is when you say, we've been waiting for Christ to come. This second comment, I have a younger brother. He's a lawyer now. He doesn't read in the night. When he sleeps, you wake him, he doesn't. He will tell you one thing. So, Yes, he will wake up. He will tell you what he reads. But honestly, he reads, asking what he reads. He doesn't get. That is the time. To tell you how delicate it is when we are not really conscious. When we are really engrossed with things are happening around us. Our career. I want to be um, uh, like medical school. Some enter medical school. Hi. Some of them notice that it's like they made mistake on our career. But the same person after. He will enter again for residency. He will be shouting. Next thing if you have a lecture, article, professor. The same person. Keep on, keep on. So there is always one thing. You are aiming for one thing. And those things keep on taking your attention to the things of value. Your place of work. Your promotion. There is always one thing taken away. You cannot be stagnant. Child of God should be fruitful. True. But we should not derail and forget the most important thing. Things that are eternal. 
things that last forever. Things that cease beyond this period of time. You will be constantly be transformed by the word of God and not conform to the standard of the world. Some of us, sometimes I call myself adult, at least 40 years is noisy. I've seen some little things. Things that when we are small, they are seen as taboo. Now they are very acceptable. They are becoming numb. Even down coming to the church. You see things that people before, they will say, Hello. Then I'll ask myself, the Bible principle, the basis, are we still following it? Are we conforming to the standard that the world has handed to the church? Or are we the church showing the light to the world? And in a lot of cases, I will tell you the reverse is the case. We are accepting whatever they do out to us. And not standing and be afraid to stand alone. If you don't see yourself standing alone in certain issues, then something is wrong. It's better you are called a Jew man. You are owned too much. A lot of words, there are words to describe it. If you are sure of what you are doing. Not when you read the Bible out of context. And interpret it in a very, very, very wrong way. And then you get the whole thing modeled up. Sometime in this year, I was watching TV somewhere in Anambra State where a brother married a sister and said that the Bible said that you, it's, uh, Adam saw the Eve and said it's bone of my bone, flesh of my blood. And that does, what does that mean? That it is sister. It was in the news over time. I was like, what madness is this? Is it the same scripture that many of us are reading? Or is it, have they created another scripture? The Igwe of the land say that in a normal situation, they would have been ostracized. But because of the system of law we practice now, they could not. But they did what they call cleansing. The repentance from the people involved, I wouldn't know. Because the last time I watched it, they were like, if they say it, we are wrong. So be it. But not that we are sorry for what we've done. That's the Christianity we are practicing now. Timing of his coming is one thing that has been giving us a lot of challenges. Bible says he's coming soon in Revelation 22:12 to come and pay everybody according to his work. Coming soon. And almost 2,000 years have passed. We know in waiting. You wait with expectation. We wait with some level of intensity. We wait thinking that this will happen. That's why many of us, our love go, grow cold. When we wait and the expected time does not uh, elapse and what we are expecting does not come to pass, we lose our love for whatever we are expecting. And that is what has happened to a lot of Christians. They tell you, are you waiting? Whatever that happens, that they said coming soon. But there is this confusion people tend to put in their mind. But I tell you the truth. The time is hidden from everybody. And then whether you live when Christ comes, 
or whether you don't live, you must experience it. Because the Bible tells us that he that said he will come must surely come. There won't be any announcement. And those that have died in the Lord will rise up to be with those that did not die in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17. It's very clearly written there. So whether you are going to experience his coming, when he comes with the voice of, of an archangel, those that we are dead in the Lord will rise up to be with those that we are alive. So what am I trying to bring out here? That even if anything, yes, your own time you may not live to see it, but live as if you are expecting to see it alive. But if Jesus tarries, and he said, come and be with me, that there is still hope, there is still hope for people that died in the Lord. Because all of us will join up to be with the Lord. So brethren, we as Christians, we should at this point live in anticipation. We should live as people expecting something. We should live without hope that no matter what happens, that our prom- his promise is sure and Christ can never lie. He will not and cannot. Because faithfulness is his nature. He cannot deny himself in any way. Even if things don't go the way you want it to go. It's because of your limited knowledge. There are things you don't know. There are things that are hidden from men. But those things that concern you. Are they really in the hands of God? Are you his at at any point in time? When he comes this time, it will not be for salvation. He is coming for judgment. He is coming to separate the wheat and the tars. That's how Matthew put it. Matthew thirteen forty, That he will allow everything be. But when the time of harvest comes, then the wheat will be separated from the tars. So what are we talking here? You ask yourself questions. Are you a wit? Are you a tar? And we know the fate of the tar is going to be burnt. But the wheat will be brought back into the storehouse of God. So we live every day for God. Every day is a special privilege to do the master's work. We live in consciousness. Let us not be too carried away with things we are really involved in. That's the problem many of us have. We are so, so, so engrossed in things we are doing that we forget the most important thing. I tell you that if you form the habit of even just reading two verses every day, there is this consciousness that stays with you almost all through the day. And those verses may minister to your need that day. Those two verses may save you from something would have been a temptation that would have taken you unawares that day. We are a privileged generation. We have the word of God in gadgets that you can carry around. 
You can open your phone at this point in time and have a look. You can open your phone and read up one or two things. Just make it as a habit. And you'll see how richly you will grow in knowing the mind of God. How richly you will grow in knowing things about God. So let's prioritize things of the kingdom by living a kingdom lifestyle. It's only a lifestyle of the kingdom that can lead you to the kingdom. It's only the work of the kingdom that will stand the test of time. That will stand when they look at you, weigh you, and say, yes, this is my son. It is very clear. It's not he that called the Lord that will make it. Many people are not going to make it because of not understanding certain basic principles. Certain ideologies that does not hold water. Many of us believe that if you are a child of God, that you are already in heaven, there is nothing like a race again, that you don't need to live a life that is worthy of God, you just live normal life, that you don't spread the message of God, that you don't influence people, just as the message of Christ has influenced us. As we are now in the first Sunday of December, which is the Advent Sunday, that we will constantly live in Advent hope. Hope of His second coming. Please don't bother yourself about time. Don't bother yourself when it's going to happen. Just be doing your own for God. And God knows the rest. And He will reward each and every one of us accordingly and at the right time in Jesus' name. But then, what does Christ mean to you? Who is Christ to you? Is Advent all about Christmas? My children are already telling me what I should buy for them. I don't know why. When I was small, when I have this breeze, dry season breeze, I'm always happy. But now that I'm caring for others, I don't always like it again. Because it's a period of spending. But somebody reminded me that somebody was spending for you. It's now your time to spend. So if you see the way I'm praying, let us enter January. You'll be surprised. I'm saying this in all sincerity. So is that what Advent means for you? Christmas, eat meat, make merry, even live lifestyle that is unbecoming of Christians. Go to meetings that ordinarily you will not go. Be in gatherings that does not glorify the name of God. No, Advent means a different thing and more than that. An old woman told me last year, in all these very strong Anglican women, where Anglican women, she told me, Happy New Year. That was first week of Advent. I was like, I didn't know. I say happy same to you. But she was like, don't you know that this is when the church season starts? That the church season starts with Advent and not January 1. Because the church started with Christ, expectation of his coming, a promise that has been there since the beginning of time. 
So, I want us to, this should be a new beginning in so many of us. I will tell you the truth. When I was trying to go through what Advent, I, honestly, I scored myself. I passed to, but I did not get 100. So I used the opportunity to first of all talk to myself. Those places I'm getting it right. And those places I'm not getting it right. Not by my power, I ask for the grace of God. And I want each and every one of us. Christianity is not about preach and it's a way of life. You live it every day in school, in hostel, in classroom. A Christian is not just on Sunday. So that part of your life that still needs that touch. Ask God for His grace. There was one I used to do at a time, but I thank God I've repented. When they bring some funny list for me, I'll frown my face, you know. You know, it's a common thing with a lot of men. But I just noticed that if this list, you don't attend to them, who will? So, pray that God will touch you in that weak path. That part you are having challenges. Those ones you are doing right, God has accepted it. But what will make you not to get to the destination is those weak parts. In marriages, what bring, what breaks marriages? What breaks marriages are not that good attitude. And it is those things. There are those things that the woman will say, or the man, I can't take this. He may be a saint in everything, but there may be one thing. Marriages that work and marriages when you have the bad part of your spouse is acceptable to you and you pray for grace to accept them and for God to help change the person. That's the same thing with Christian race. What will make you not get there may be lying, anger, jealousy. It's not when you take gun and go to Uguanyama and and uh, maybe we lay people. There are those little, little things. Little, little things. Very little things that we can cover. So this is another time, a new beginning for us. To ask God for His grace. To be at right standing with Him. But if you have not known Christ, honestly, this is not yet for you. It's just like... Uh, Giving somebody in primary and nursery school materials, undergraduate materials, because you will not understand. It will be basically stupidity to you. It will be like, what are these people talking about? And you will have some theories to justify it. And it will be as if these people, are they really thinking well? Somebody told me, are you really thinking well? I look at him because I know he's the one that is not thinking well. This is another yet, this great opportunity for us in this new beginning, if you have not known Christ, to make that very important decision of surrendering to him. Calling him in, making him your Lord and personal Savior. That's the most important decision anybody can take, can make for himself. And you will enjoy life in its fullness. Let us pray.
let us at this moment ask God that he will continue to uphold us. That we will win this race with the victory he has given unto us before now. That whenever he comes, that will be among the number. That we should not just hear the word and the word will not have any effect on us. That he will give us the enablement to live in anticipation, in expectation, in belief, hoping for his promise. Can you speak again for yourself? Father, I will not run this race and run empty-handed. Lord, I know it is not in a man and in a woman to keep himself and order her steps. I hand over myself unto you. I will be aware. I will be awake. I will be alert. I will be busy. I will live for the kingdom. I will live with eternity in view. I will live in anticipation of your coming anytime. I will live because you can call me home anytime. I will live with God so that when you come, I would have fought a good fight. I would have finished my course. I would have kept the faith. I would have left nothing to chance. I would have left no opportunity for amendment of life. Father, that is my desire. Can you pray that prayer? Can you ask the Lord? Just like we have entered the season which rightfully ushers in the coming of Christ. As we remember his first coming, we prepare for his second coming. And we prepare for this second coming in a state of alertness that nothing will hinder us from making it right to the end. Nothing will take us away from that which we have run all this while. Nothing will make us at the last minute miss the mark in any form. But that we will end up victoriously. We will finish strong. We will end up with the grace of God. The crown of righteousness promised those who are waiting for his appearing. Lord, this is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, for every one of us, we pray wherever the stumbling blocks are, wherever the challenges are, wherever the weariness are, wherever the changes and chances of life are making our attention to grow weak, and making our sensitivity to grow dim, and making us, Lord, to grow weary, and think you are slack in your promise of coming. Father, today, Lord, we rev up ourselves, and ask that the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, who also dwells in us, who are children, who are heirs of salvation, who have been met of you, we also quicken all in our mortal body in the name of Jesus Christ. We revive us, we renew us, we refresh us unto our alertness in waiting for your coming. That those who wait for your coming, Lord, we will wait and make ourselves pure and remove every wrinkle and be blameless, preserved for your coming 
spreading for the word and shining for the word of life, even unto you, coming in the name of Jesus Christ. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we thank you that we have been made your sons, and gloriously so, not of our own making, but by your own design. And Father, as we have become engrafted in you, when he comes, may we be like him in the name of Jesus Christ. May our nature, may our work, may our lifestyle be preserved blameless unto your coming and your glorious appearance in the name of Jesus Christ. The little foxes that spoil the vine, that blunt our sharpness, that dim our light, that make us now and become complacent, that make us think we have waited for too long. This moment, Lord, we cut them off, we cleanse ourselves of them, and Lord, we repent from where we have made a wrong step in, in dust and ashes, and turn to you in the name of Jesus Christ. May our light shine forth again. May we occupy gloriously for you. May that be a joyful expectancy that we are waiting actively for him, of whom our conversation is in heaven. And we shall be like him. And we shall wave in the golden crown, even as it comes on, in the name of Jesus Christ. Strengthen every feeble knee. Comfort every troubled heart. And give us the peace of mind and grace, even as we go through this period and the years ahead. As you come, may we be ready. And may we all here make it to heaven, raptured of you, children of the kingdom, gloriously caught up with you, and never more to depart from your glory and presence in the name of Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord Almighty, as we go into this month and we go into the end of the year, you who have brought us to the beginning of this month, you will take us by your own gracious appearing and by your own loving kindness through this month into the new year in the name of Jesus. If perchance you appear any time within this period, may we all be together with you, none accepted, alive, living your glory, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, the surfeiting of life, the excesses of the man, the surcharging of the times, shall not catch us unawares. We will be on top of them, because we have him, who is the Prince of Peace, and who is the Lord of the seasons. And the Lord of all times and this time, you will be sufficient unto us and grant us grace to shine forth your light, to spread forth your word, and to live as those who are the citizenship that are awaiting the coming of our King. This is our prayer, and this is our desire, and this is our expectation. In Jesus' name we pray.